Boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. <laughs> hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 210 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron and I'm Don. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, thanks for stopping by. We really appreciate you. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to stay in touch with you. How can they do that? Yeah, email me, ron at windermere.com, if you want our buyer's playbook or seller's playbook. You're thinking, this is my year. I'm making a change. Uh, I will send that out to you free of charge. Ron at windermere.com. Yeah. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're now finding out that a number of days ago in the other Washington where this D.C. riot went down, there were police officers there all the way from Virginia to Florida to Seattle. Now, many of those police officers are saying, hey, we didn't go in the Capitol. We were just there to support our president. Should those police officers be police officers and specifically here in the city of Seattle. How do you feel about that? Also, Ron, this is kind of interesting as we're speaking, and when this airs, this will be a few days old, but now a lawsuit between Amazon and Parler we're going to talk about. Yeah, and it involves Amazon Web Services, which a lot of people know Amazon, where you just go and you buy stuff and it gets delivered. Their biggest category of revenue for Amazon is called Amazon Web Services. So we'll get into what that is, why they're getting sued, and the Seattle lawyers for Amazon uh, put in their rebuttal today. And it's pretty interesting. Okay. Let's pivot to this now, because by the time this airs, uh, this will be the week of President Biden, not President-elect, but now President Biden's inauguration. Uh, President Trump said that he will not be there. Uh, President Trump currently going through an impeachment. The reason he's going through an impeachment, because Mitch McConnell said, hey, you know what? Maybe what he did was impeachable. In fact, it probably was. But I don't think we have time to impeach him, so we're going to go ahead and punt here. Also, Mike Pence saying, I'm not going to use Article 25, and I'm not going to fire the president. So Mitch McConnell has punted. Mike Pence has punted. But here comes the House, and as we're taping this today, President Trump has been impeached. They say he's sitting in the White House. He's not doing the people's business. Uh, He has been kicked off of Twitter, kicked off on Facebook. Uh, There have been some fringe, some fringe platforms like Gab that he was going to jump on. And Jared Kirshner came along and said, hey, you know what, Pops? We want to stay off of Gab. So let's stay out of that. Anyway, what are your thoughts on the impeachment of President Trump today? And do you think Mike Pence did the right thing? And do you understand what Mitch McConnell is doing here politically? Because I sure do. Yeah, I mean, boy, that's a broad question. I have a lot of feelings. I think that the one thing, if you set the timing aside and how much elapsed time is left and the intricacies of can you impeach someone that's no longer in office and all those things that legal scholars are going to go over, the important thing to me that, that we got in this impeachment trial is you made people take a vote. Uh, you made people stand up, in the House of Representatives at least, and say... Yes or no. Here, here's the evidence. Um, here are the, the statements, the direct quotes from that, uh, 
you know, the, the whole rally that you had at the White House, uh, calling people to march down the street, and even Rudy Giuliani saying uh, trial by combat, and, and Donald Trump Jr. had a bunch of inflammatory things. Here are the, here's the statements, and you force people to vote. I think that has value. I think you can then go back and see the, I think it's 198 Republicans that voted no on this. And so what is their reality? And how do you penetrate that reality? There were, I believe, 10 Republicans, including um, uh, McCain's daughter. Is it, her name Cindy? Is that correct? Uh, she's a legislator now, and she voted to no, impeach. Not McCain, Cheney. You're thinking of Liz, Oh, Cheney. Yes, Liz, Liz Cheney. Cheney. Yeah, so. uh, I stand corrected. I, I knew it was the, the daughter of a, a famous politician. So Liz Cheney, um, she voted to impeach. And so to me... Um, the important thing here is, and the thing that I'm trying to unravel, I think it's incumbent on every American to stop with letting little micro things slide. I think that, that that's what we all did. And um, you have 198 Republicans that, that felt like it was in their best interest to vote no on this. They're smart people. You're not a dummy if you can get elected uh, into the House of Representatives. And so they've done the calculus and they think that this is best for their constituents. It's best for their political career uh, to stand firm and to vote no. And so to me, that means that all of us, when we start seeing, and, and I've done this over the years and I'm just now learning what it means. If you're a white man in America, there have probably been hundreds, if not thousands of times where someone says a joke or they make a comment, or they make an insinuation, or they give you the wink and the nod or the elbow nudge, and they're, they're testing to see if you're going to go along with the status quo. They're testing to see if you're one of the guys, if you're one of them, in a sense. And all those times that you just sort of, you know, peer pressure, or you laugh it off, or you go along to get along, all those things... This, I think, as a country is, is, is decades and centuries of that, of everyone going along to get along. And then all of a sudden you have this group that feels so alienated and so emasculated. And so uh, their power is taken away from them. They've lost their place of supremacy in society and they're losing their jobs and they're losing their sense of entitlement that they the, now fascism and violence seems attractive. You're going to take this away from me? Hell no. I'm going to a rally. I'm going to a march. I'm going to get radicalized. It's, it's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Who can I scapegoat for my own unhappiness? And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to make a concerted effort going forward is to not just wink and a nod. Or if a family member says something that is not true, to say that's not true. You know that's not true. And if the relationship blows up, I would rather stand for a principle of saying, I can no longer just turn the other cheek and go, oh, I'm just going to take the path of least resistance. I don't want to have a blow up at Thanksgiving. Uh, this is my relative. You know, I'm in it for life. Like I need to repair this relationship. I'm just going to let that slide. I know that that's incorrect and that it's gaslighting, but I'm just going to let it slide. All of us have let it all slide too much into where we've gotten to where we are. And, and I think we need to, not in a combative way, but I read an interesting article about a woman that went through this and she just, she looked at her neighbor dead in the eye and she said, you know, that's not true. You know, that's not true. 
It's one of those test things. When I throw out this like voter fraud or stop the steal, when I throw that out and someone doesn't push back, I know it's not true. I've seen the, it's, are you, are you a part of this? Can I continue to push you? Can I continue to take a mile? And when you just, I believe, start to put a, a firmer foot in the ground and, and stop it right when we see it. We can't just go, eh, anymore. Do you think, you get what I'm saying? Well, and I also think just asking a question and then listening and being curious about what people say. I, I had a young man on my job site the other day, uh, and we were having a conversation about another young man that had been to the job site that did a great job. He identified this young man as being colored, and then he called him that colored boy. And so I asked him, I said, that's interesting that you would call him colored. And then he also used the word Negro, a colored Negro. And so without going down the road of this conversation that I had, I, 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 I stopped and I, and, and I said, why do you refer to him as that colored boy? Like, why do you call him boy? Because he's older than you. Uh, and his name is Jared. So Jared's older than you. And Jared happens to be African-American. Why is he a boy to you? And then why is he a Negro boy? And then why is he a colored Negro boy? And so he and I, we probably had a half hour discussion about colored boy Negro boy and those words that he was using. And what we discovered is those are words that he grew up with. Those are words that his family used. Those are words generationally that his family used his white family uh, to talk about African-Americans. And then I shared with him, and I'm not going to go to a history lesson here, but when my grandfather used to word, use the word colored and Negro and the N-word and call uh, African-Americans boy, it kind of made me go down this rabbit hole of asking myself, where did these words come from? And why is that okay? Why were those words okay for my grandfather, who was from Mississippi, to use those words? Uh, and why were those words okay for this young man to use? At least he felt they were okay. Uh, in 2021, just a few days ago, on a, on a job site, we had a very powerful conversation. I don't think he felt checked by me. I don't think he felt pushed by me. I don't think he felt bullied by me. Uh, but I, th- I think he felt a little challenged in the, in the words that he used. It's different when you have a face-to-face conversation with someone, Ron, then when you get in these arguments on Facebook and on Twitter and on social media, because all we're doing now is we're just loading and reloading. And then we'll see something that someone says, and then we'll think about it. We'll see a meme or something that someone else wrote here because we don't like to do our own work anymore. So we'll copy and paste and we'll steal that. And then we fire that back to that other person on social media. When, when, when you really challenge yourself and challenge others, and I don't mean bully, but really challenge others in your neighborhood, uh, at your school board, at your school, on the playground, uh, at dog parks, when you're in the store, when you're out on a construction site like I was the other day, 
when you're at Thanksgiving. I think there's ways for us to have these conversations where it doesn't have to become a minefield. And I think if we can figure out a way to continue to be civil, and then at the end of that conversation to go, you know what, I don't think we agree here, but at least we had the conversation, that is what's not happening in America today. We come back. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Let's talk about the police officers in places like Florida and places like Alabama and Virginia and places like Seattle, Washington. These police officers on their own time went to the other Washington and they went to that rally. And as a result of that, two of those police officers in Seattle are under investigation right now. And I have an inside source that says the chief, Chief Diaz, is going to fire them. Let's talk about that. What should we do with these police officers? What are the rights that they have? Do they have rights to go to a rally like that? We'll talk about that on the other side of this. Hi, I'm Ann Fitzpatrick, and I bought a house with Ron and Don. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. The second house that we went after, I saw it hit Zillow on Thanksgiving Day. I emailed them and I said, don't look at this today. It's Thanksgiving. Be with your families. And of course, they ignored what I said about don't work on Thanksgiving. And they absolutely worked on Thanksgiving for me. And we immediately got in with an inspector the very next morning, uh, you know, immediately started strategizing. Don pointed out to me, look, this is going to be sort of a bloodbath because people love mid-century modern. And, you know, he was able to tell me what the seller's strategy was and, you know, what it was likely to go for. And he had, you know, a strategy to get around that and to say, we're not going to wait. We're going to go in and we're going to get it early. He managed to do that. We actually managed to scoop up this house before anybody else had a chance. I'm just absolutely thrilled. I mean, I knew that this was going to be hard to find and get, and we did it so quickly and got just the perfect house in exactly where I needed it to be at a price that I feel really good about. So I could not be happier with my experience. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to episode 210. And right there, uh, you just heard from our friend, Anne, who's a single mom, has two boys. She's a local judge here. We were looking to find a home for her on Thanksgiving, and we had to go buy that home on Thanksgiving, and that's exactly what we did. She just got done sharing her story, and if you want us to be involved in your story like we were with Anne, we'd love to do it, right? Absolutely. So email me, ron at windermere.com. I'll send you that buyer's guide, the seller's playbook, and uh, we can get going on that right away. Yeah, that's how it started with Anne. And the buyer's playbook, the seller's playbook, it'll help you to start ask the right questions. So when we get together to do a sit down, we'll all be pretty informed and we'll figure out specifically what the playbook is going to be as uh, we begin the real estate journey with you, all right? So just go to ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. And you can schedule a sit down with us today. Let's talk about this. And Ron and I haven't talked about this. And I'm really interested in where he lands on this. And I know emotionally where I land on this. But at the same time, hey, 
What does the Constitution say? What does the Bill of Rights say? Let's talk about police officers. Uh, 2020 was a year where we talked a lot about policing. The last couple years, we have seen police officers do things that were absolutely shocking to many of us, including murder, murder people. I tell you who it wasn't shocking to. It wasn't shocking to a lot of my black friends, and it wasn't shocking to other black police officers that I know. Now let's fast forward to this rally that's happening in other Washington. We know that President Trump speaks at this rally. We know his son speaks at this rally. Rudy Giuliani speaks at this rally. All these people show up. He is warning. The president's been warning what's going to happen at this rally. You get to the rally, you, you see people there. Like if I, I've showed up, if I'm going to this rally, I look around. You see Confederate flags. You hear people at the rally we now know. See guys in full military garb. Yeah, saying, saying things that aren't kind to not only black people, but also to black police officers uh, that were there with the D.C. police. Uh, we, see, we see shirts. Uh, we see Nazi gear. Uh, we see shirts about Jews. We see all kinds of crazy stuff. So you're a police officer and you're rolling in from Florida on your own time. You're a police officer coming in from Alabama. You're a police officer uh, coming in from Seattle, Washington. We know of two Seattle police officers that were there. And the next thing you know, this rally turns into a mob, turns into a riot, and then turns into a takedown. And five people are now dead as a result, including two police officers, as a result of what happened at this riot that all began with the president, let's not forget, the president was there at this rally. People are forgetting this. He wasn't just at the White House. People were coming there for this rally. He had called this His rally. His super PAC paid for the stage yeah. and the yeah. speakers and the yeah. amplifiers and everything? So, so what do you do with those particular police officers? And they're all saying this. They're saying, you're seeing pictures of us on social media. You're not seeing us inside the Capitol. We went to the rally. We have the right to go to the rally. This is on our own time. And you know what? If I'm a cop and people from the Black Lives Matter movement have the right without a permit to go storming through downtown, shutting buildings, breaking windows, closing off I-5, if they have the right to do that, and as a cop, why don't I have the right to jump on a plane and go support my president? Well, um, I think... There's a point to be made for that argument of saying that do they do they have a right? They have a right to free speech. They have a right to express themselves. But I think as a society, we've set aside certain categories of jobs where the job is intertwined with society in such a way that you're always on the job in a sense. In other words, if if I'm like you mentioned, the president of the United States. He's always the president of the United States, not just from nine to five, Monday through Friday. So the, the behavior uh, of that job when you're a public official is you're, you're always on display. And I think cops and military members are very similar. That when you take an oath to be a public servant, you are saying... I the job that I'm choosing to engage in, my vocation is has a public facing component and there's there's kind of a behavioral aspect to that. In other words, a cop if I'm just a if I if I drive a truck for a living 
and I happen to get a misdemeanor or something like that, or if I'm breaking the law, you could make an argument that's like, eh, it has nothing to do with my job. I got a misdemeanor, you know, it has nothing to do with my job. If you're a cop and you get a misdemeanor, you're charged with, with, you know, enforcing the law. So if you're also breaking the law, there's a hypocrisy there. So I think it is, it is fair game to say to people that are police officers that are in the military, um, you're choosing a vocation where your life is going to be under scrutiny. And I think that's fair. I think that's that everybody knows that. So I reached out to a Seattle cop. This Seattle cop's been on 25 years. Uh, and this is what they said. And I asked them about those uh, Seattle police officers. And this particular officer said, because I asked him, I said, what about the, the officers in Seattle that, under, that are under investigation? What do you think about that? This officer said, well, there's different answers depending on what they've done. I was sickened at the videos of the officers opening the gates and telling people to come inside. I believe when you're at work or in uniform that no one should ever know your personal or political beliefs. That being said, I've taken photos with people that could easily be misconstrued uh, with no other facts. So some of the photos that we saw some of those police officers taking there, uh, this officer said, let's be careful. And let's be careful about judging because sometimes when I'm out doing community involvement, and, and this officer said, even with the Black Lives Matter movement, I have taken pictures earlier in the day with people from that movement. And then later on in the afternoon or the evening, a riot might break out. Uh, so keep that in mind, this officer said. I think that's fair. This officer went on to say, now for, for anyone who attended the rally outside the White House, there's absolutely no way an agency, agency like Seattle should be disciplining them. Chief Diaz way overstepped and should have just said OPA would be looking into it and left it there. You had lots of officers kneeling and laying down on the ground with Black Lives Matter, and I would apply the same standard. You can empathize, and you can stand with your agency understanding the community concerns without disrespecting your badge in office. So then I wrote back. I said, good points. Why do you think the chief overstepped? This officer wrote back. The officers actually notified the agency about the photo. Chief Diaz immediately said they would be terminated publicly and place them on administrative leave. There's no facts. There's no investigation. They were off duty on their own time. If they entered uh, the White House or if they entered the Capitol, that's totally different. That's a different matter. But he jumped way ahead. And that's the impression that he left on the agency and on the personnel. Even the hint, if you support the president on your own time, has consequences. I wrote back. That's interesting. Uh, that'd be interesting if this went to arbitration. This officer wrote back. I guarantee many other agencies will be watching this. Again, if they entered the restricted area, then different rules apply. But off-duty, on your own time, to just attend the rally and imagine how they'll continue to do their job after this, even if no issues, uh, welcome to doxing and public intimidation. Uh, I went on to say, you know, Sheriff Troyer just hired seven of Seattle's finest. And this officer said, I saw that too. Uh, the Seattle Police Department so far in January has had 189 police officers walk off the job. Gone. There's no one to fire because they left. 
Here's what I think. I think Ron made a good point. If I go to this rally because I'm there to support President Trump, I go there as a citizen, but I also, I guarantee you these guys had their badges and guns. Cops use their badges all the time, right? And they use their badges with other cops to create favor. You see this all the time. Most of the cops I know all carry guns. Most of the cops I know all carry their badge, and they're not afraid to use that. When these officers, and this is what I would ask these Seattle officers, did you call 911 when you saw the riot break out? How did you jump in and help when you saw things going sideways for the D.C. officers? Because this is a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and this brother and sisterhood just isn't in Seattle. It's all over the country. If you know CPR, like I know CPR, I've had to learn CPR because all the fitness classes that I've taught over the years. If I was in a non-fitness class and somebody I thought dropped dead in front of me, I would jump in and begin CPR, even though my credentials are to perform CPR in my fitness classes. I would still jump in. If I was in Africa and I saw somebody that needed CPR, I would jump in and try to help. I think the, the point you made at the very beginning is the best point. And that is, if you're a person that has a public-facing job, like we did in broadcasting, there are times you show up in an event and, you, and very quickly you go, this event's not going to end well. Right. I'm out. That's right. Yeah. There's too much drinking here. There's too much violence here. Yeah. There's too much racism here. There's too much fill in the blank here. I thought this was a good idea, but now that I'm here, I can't be here because of the job I hold. You've done that. I've done that. I think a police officer needs to go, do I want to be at a rally where there's an Auschwitz sweatshirt on? Is that my kind of rally? That guy just got arrested today. Do I want to be in a rally with, you know, dudes in in horn helmets waving Confederate flags? Is that that are walking by with uh Nancy Pelosi's lectern? Right. So it's like, do I want to be next to the guy building uh, uh putting together a noose and a gallows? Is this my kind of event? Yeah. So to, to your point earlier, which I think is the the greatest point, just kind of go, wow, I thought this was gonna be one thing, it's not. Mm. I need to show some judgment here and uh, and get out. So on that, you know, set the po- political beliefs aside. Did these police officers show good judgment? You could make a case that not really. Yeah. Not really. Well, especially the 10 DC officers that were allowing the rioters to come in, right? Yeah. And that's what and, and, and what we saw, you guys, with the DC police department is a microcosm of all police departments. You had officers there that were heroic and got crushed for it. You had officers there that got so emotionally involved that one committed suicide because of what he saw. You have another officer there, an African-American officer, that basically uh, did an incredible theatrical performance with a whole crowd of men that were coming at him and they were headed toward the chamber and he got them to follow him as he was running somewhere else. You had other cops that were taking selfies. You had other cops there that, you know, there's 12 now. There's there's 12 D.C. cops that are under investigation. You have the head of those D.C. cops, the chief there, that has now said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and resign. And he was forced to resign. In the Capitol tonight, as they are taking these votes, and as we head toward January 20th, you have up to 20 
20,000, 20,000 citizen soldiers, the National Guard, some of them will be deputized, that are sleeping on the floor of the United States Capitol because the plots that are being planned all around the country for every single state capital. And also, there's a fear, there's a fear that a bigger mob will return and not just create a figurative noose, but to use that noose and to use those guns and to actually kill legislatures uh, that did not vote uh, the way that they wanted them to vote in this impeachment proceeding. So this is unprecedented. Those police officers should have recognized that. And as a result, they should have jumped in. They should have called 911. And they should have either got the hell out of there, which maybe they did. Or they should have said, you know what? I don't have my uniform on today, but I guarantee you, all of them were carrying a badge and a gun because every cop I know carries a badge and a gun. I, just, I always just reflect on the Chris Rock line where he said, there are certain jobs where you can't have any bad apples. We'll see you on the other side of this. Ron and Don from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. It's the uh, final segment of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, if you want to sit down with us, we would love to sit down with you. You got to do your homework, though, you guys. We have a playbook that we've created, a playbook for buyers and for sellers. A lot of people reached out. How can they uh, get that playbook? Yeah, just go to uh, my email address, ron at windermere.com. Say, hey, I'm thinking about selling. I'm thinking about buying. We had uh, Wayne contact us this week. said, I'm 18 months out. And I get the buyer's playbook now. I was like, absolutely. Yeah. Get it now. Let's let's get a game plan together. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about uh, Parler. Uh, for people that don't know what Parler is, I call it Parler. You said maybe it's French and it's Parlay. Last time we talked but about Everybody's it. calling it Parler now. They're calling it Parler. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what is Parler and why should we be concerned about it? And why is Parler now suing? Amazon and what does Amazon have to say about this? Because this lawsuit just came down this afternoon, right? So Parler was the anti was the 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 right wing solution to Twitter, and so there was all this chatter uh, on Twitter and on Facebook to you know you like when the president would make a claim that was verifiably not true, the Twitter would slap a label on it. This is before his account was just removed and he was. Uh, kicked off of Twitter for life, but they would put a thing that like, this is untrue. And so uh, like, like the election was stolen. They would put it like, this is not true. And so parlor, some conservatives got together like, we're going to create our own social media platform. And we're going to let, you know, if you're a, a conservative, you, we're not going to censor you in any way. You can like say what you want and get on there. So they did that. They created parlor. Uh, they made an app. They developed the app. They put it on the App Store on Apple, the App Store on Android, uh, and then they set up their the actual data part of it uh, with Amazon Web Services. And they used they built it actually on the WordPress site. So this is a little bit technical, but I think it's interesting. And so what they did is they had to go through the approval process. Like when you try to get an app on the Apple App Store, you have a you have a contract with Apple. 
It says I, these are the there's some rules. Yeah, uh, this is the game that we're playing. Like you can't have this sort of content. Uh, this is banned from the app store. Like uh, there's a whole categories of, of stuff. Like you can't have a gambling app on there, for instance, or oh, really? uh, you know, like there's there are all kinds of rules for the app stores. So um, Parler agrees to those terms, gets on the app store. All of their data and their traffic lives on computers that Amazon owns and maintains. So there'll be an Amazon data center somewhere and they install thousands and thousands of these high performance uh, servers. And you and I could, could rent space on that. Yeah. Like it's possible that the run it on sit down.com is actually hosted of course it is. on an Amazon owned server around the world worldwide. worldwide it's everywhere it's everywhere it's everywhere yeah uh and our dozens of hits is not crashing the amazon web services and so you they also have terms with amazon web services one of those terms is we we're a private company um we're leasing you space on our computers you can't have violent content uh on amazon web services we do not want to be a part of a business that is trafficking in violence mm -hmm. seems pretty like a low bar. Yeah. And um, so what they, what, what the suit here is, is first Apple and Google removed parlor from their stores. So you can no longer go to the app store and download it. That crushed parlor. Cause parlor was growing by the millions every day. Mm -hmm. Their, their platform was growing. So the, the two biggest app stores removed them. Uh, Twitter also did remove the president and then he tried to jump on the POTUS account. They, they removed that account, all these accounts they were shutting down. Uh, and it went across Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, all these, these platforms are banning him. <clears throat> and so Parler's like, this is gonna be great for us. We're going to get millions and millions. We're going to grow this thing. If we can even get half of the president's followers on here, that'll be 40, 50 million people. And now we got a business. Uh, and so Amazon notified them there are specific threats of violence happening on your platform right now. And then they came true. So Parler, back to our first story about the, the police officers, how do you even know about the rally and the details? We have to be traveling in circles that are pumping these dates and pumping the message. And a lot of the messaging on that was uh, violent in nature. Not a lot. That's, that's too far. Some of the messaging around that was, was putting the, dipping the toe in the water of violence. If we don't get our way, we're going to get, we're going to show them who's boss. And that was happening on Parler. So Amazon notifies them. They didn't remove the content and they didn't shut it down. So Amazon said, you violated our terms of service. You're done. Here's the interesting thing, and then I'll get to the lawsuit in a second. The really interesting thing to me is that someone on Parler had put up a very popular post that said, President Trump is going to pardon everybody that participated in this event, in the rally, and then the subsequent uh, you know, mob that went into the Capitol. Give us your name and um the fact that you were at the rally and what you think you need to be pardoned for and we're going to forward this to the president so many people on parlor because they trusted it as a conservative sort of echo chamber supplied their information on this thread hey i'm so and so i went in there and i broke a window i need to be pardoned here's my name and my location well, Parler was using a trial, a free trial version of a, of a plugin for WordPress mm -hmm. to collate all the member information. 
They didn't pay for it. So that plugin was easily hacked. The hackers got the entire database of every user on Parler into a huge file and gave it to the FBI. <laughs> and then that plugin company also shut them down. So they're like, yeah, A, you haven't paid us. Yeah. B, we don't want to be a part of a website that's trafficking in violence. Oh, man. And so now they have uh, taken what could have been a billion-dollar company. You know, if you had 50 million Americans on a social media network, the valuation of that would be in the billions of dollars. Yeah. They've taken this billion dollar idea and, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with, do you want to have a conservative leaning social media site have that? Like they have date farmers or whatever. It's like, there's all kinds of niches in the world. So like have at it, I guess, but, um, but the farmers aren't storming the Capitol. Correct. So yeah, Amazon with, with got slow, sued with their slow moving tractors. So Parler sued them in the state of Washington superior court and said, this is, they, they violated our rights. Yeah. They violated our first amendment rights. They've, uh, this is an antitrust violation. You need to, to give them a temporary restraining order to put us back on the web services. So we can put together uh, everything that's happening at these five capitals because we're attacking the 50 right. capitals. So we want to be able to still coordinate that. I wonder how they're going to coordinate that moving forward. It's so, but, but Amazon responded. So there are yeah. lawyers here in Seattle just went out and got hundreds of examples of violent content and calls for violence. Yeah. And they said, here's our terms of service. You violated the terms of service. Here's us asking you to remove this. Here's you not removing it. You're done. And they're like, there's no way you're going to win this lawsuit. Think, think about what I talked about in our last, in our last podcast, where I talked about the president being mentored by the a guy named of, of Roy Khan. And some people think he's a real con artist. And what the president learned to do is to always deny, never take responsibility, always be on the offense, always on the attack, and then to pull people toward you and then to be slap them and push them away and then pull them toward you and then slap them away. We've seen that exact same thing happen the last 24 hours. He went down to Arizona. He stood at that wall. He wants that wall to be his legacy. A lot of people look at that wall and they look at the Alamo, right? Because he's been talking a lot about the Alamo and really making himself a martyr here. Not the Alamo. He's in Alamo, Texas. Right. It's a different Alamo. Yeah. So this is what he said. He said, hey, as uh, he's speaking, he said, you know what? Uh, big tech better watch out. He started warning big tech about what could happen to big tech. Because he said people are very, very angry and they're very mad. And I don't know what they're going to do as a result of being so mad with big tech. So big tech better look out. Big tech better watch out. This is the same kind of language that he used when he called people to Washington. That these senators better watch out. That these members of the House better watch out. That he feels sorry for them because people are so angry. We have to show strength. So what he's doing is he's stoking their anger. Then you pivot, same day, back in Washington today. Hey, you know what? I, I hope there's no violence. There shouldn't be any violence. I hope there's none. I hope there's no violence 
on the inauguration day for Joe Biden. I hope there's none. But then pivoting back, saying, I hope there's no, but people are so angry. But people are so mad. But people are so mad at big tech. So you can see what he is doing. He is doing what Roy Khan taught him to do. Playing on the offense, pulling you close, hoping there's no violence, and then warning and saying, wow, big tech better be careful. Those are warning shots. It's like the textbook definition of incitement. Yeah, exactly. So those are warning shots right there. Uh, Not only to big tech and these big companies, but also uh, what could happen on Inauguration Day, which uh, is coming up in a few days this week. Hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by uh, for episode 210. Sure means a lot to us. We have almost 900,000 spins now of the Ron and Don show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your loyalty. We can see that when the the podcast starts, we're able to see that over 90% of you actually stay with us and you listen all the way to the end, all the way to when my son says, we'll say it in just a minute. Keep your head up and your shoulders back, and we'll see you next time only on The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe, listen to those last five episodes, and go out and give us a review on your podcast player, like Apple, for instance. That helps us with the algorithm, and it helps us build the show and let people know that The Ron and Don Show is back. Anyway, as promised, here's my son, my number one son, a 10-year-old, to take us out. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Dawn Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not doing that. <laughs>